This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, let's kick it. Five viewers. Hi. Oh my gosh. Okay. Happy Sober Saturday, friends. Welcome to the Sobriety Diaries. My name is Nate. I am a grateful recovering alcoholic, and I will also be your host today on the Sobriety Diaries Roundtable Chat. The Sobriety Diaries is a video podcast where we talk to other recovering alcoholics and addicts. We hear their stories and hope to help others who may still be struggling. And we are live on YouTube today. We will also post this as a regular episode up on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen. So make sure you subscribe. You can also head over to the sobrietydiaries.com for all things podcast related. So the Sobriety Diaries Roundtable is a group chat of sober individuals and friends of mine. Uh, where we offer experience and hope about our own personal journey with recovery, and we live stream it on Saturdays on YouTube. How fun, huh? So today's guests are Amber, three years clean from drugs, who appeared in episode one of our show. Hi, Amber. Hello. Very grateful. Coming to, be to here. us all the way from South Africa, right? Yes, sunny South Africa. <laughs> Welcome. So glad you're back. Good to see you. Thank you. Good to see you too. We have Kiana, cl- six years clean and sober. Yes. Hi, Kiana. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. We dressed the same. I think uh, there was a memo, perhaps. <laughs> no. Uh, Kiana's episode will air in the coming weeks, but it is so, so powerful. And she is just a beacon of light and as we've discussed Kiana this this is no coincidence so we are here for a reason and uh, as I say in in the close of every episode I think if we can help just one person today our job is done Um, so we were kind of chatting before we went live and and we were all a little nervous and unsure and not uh, you know we've we've never done anything like this but I think if we just keep the uh, you know what our passion is and what we're what we're here for keep keep that in mind and keep that close to our heart we will be just fine Definitely. so amber like i said you were in episode one which aired on thursday did you have any feedback from from family or friends um i didn't share it with my family i shared it with some of my friends and they told me that it was interesting to watch and you know the part of me just the general thing i think like for a lot of people that are sober and like who have never had um addiction problems it's really difficult to understand like oh you haven't you haven't drank for uh for a couple of years you haven't taken drugs for three years so they're part of me but it's deeper than that though right Yes, of course. It's not just drinking or not just drugging. It's changing our lives and, and, you know, 
being better people and helping others. So uh, perhaps if if they need help one day, perhaps uh, hopefully they will seek it. But uh, not everyone not everyone needs help. Um, however, uh, that is what we are here to hopefully provide to to some today. So. As I said, we, we will pick a topic and sort of frame our uh, recovery discussion around it. And um, today I wanted to talk about mending relationships and how important that is in a recovery journey for uh, most of us. For uh, myself specifically, I can vividly remember that it was you know, kind of that mountain in the distance and um, a huge hurdle that I was nervous to do and uh, procrastinating on. I'm a world-class procrastinator and this was no different. Um, you know, it, as the fog sort of started to lift off my brain and I gained some clarity on the last decade of my life and perhaps some destruction and, and uh, ill will that I had caused other people, uh, I knew that I would have to make that right. And it was, it was very daunting, um, you know, especially for that to be such, you know, a, a fresh thing in recovery. So um, I took direction fairly well and, uh, you know, tried to procrastinate as little as possible and, and make things right. Um, some of that involved sit down conversations that weren't easy. Some of it involved, um, displaying better life choices. Some of it, you know, involved, um, proving and showing that I was, uh, changing my life and changing my decision-making. Uh, so I think it doesn't look the same for everyone, uh, that we need to mend, and it doesn't look the same for every alcoholic. Um, I think another important point is that we have to put our own feelings aside. Um, you know, it is not our decision whether folks forgive us. It is not our decision if um, it's now or later. We can't dictate their timeline. We can't decide for them. You know, so we we take our own feelings out of it, which is not always easy. <laughs> um so, Kiana, can you kind of jump in and maybe add to that about sort of taking our own feelings out of it and um, starting on that journey of mending relationships? Absolutely. I think this is something that I've had to face a number of times at, at some really uncomfortable moments in my life. In fact, I was thinking this morning about how the last time I had a confrontation with somebody who, you know, really hadn't accepted my journey even though I'm six years in it unfortunately was a family member and it manifested at my mother's funeral and um you know I've spent the last six years plus with um a lot of people who have encouraged me stepped in you know really really seen the change that's happened you know saw me at my best saw me at the lowest low and, and continued to support me but unfortunately sometimes family um tends to be the last to come back for whatever reason and you know some of the things that have been typically said about me you know she's a junkie she's an addict she's never going to change her life and then coming to my mom's funeral and asking like why they weren't invited to my wedding was was kind of like a little bit shocking for me it's 
you know, when you step into recovery and you start to build a life for yourself, you, you expect that because you're doing the right thing that people are going to come alongside you. And unfortunately, unmet expectations are one of those, those root issues that, that cause people to go back to relapse, go back to using. And, you know, we take all this time going through this personal journey where, you know, we try to really um, turn ourselves into stand-up human beings, you know, be responsible, productive members of society. And we expect when we put in this work and we do this effort to make the change, we expect that people are going to see that, receive it, and that they're going to come alongside us. And unfortunately, that's not always the case. You know, you spend a lot of time doing work on you, but they are doing the work on them. They don't even know that there's work to be done in their hearts. They don't understand that they still, you know, have a lot of hatred and a lot of hurt and resentment that they're not able to seek compassion in a situation. And that's okay. Because the truth of the matter is, you know, you do your due diligence. Um, just because you got everything right for yourself, again, for yourself, doesn't mean that other people are gonna come alongside you. And to be quite honest, the last thing I wanna say about that is, as humans, we have this fleshly desire for this thing called reciprocity. We expect that when we step out and we do something for somebody that they're going to at least meet us responsibly halfway. We see this in relationships, you know, why don't you have the respect to treat me the way that I'm treating you? But the thing is, when you do things out of impure motivation or impure reasoning, that's when those unmet expectations rise and that's when we start to see that there are rifts and we can't heal everything. That's why the serenity prayer says, we accept the things that we cannot change, that we ask for wisdom to discern those things. What can we have a hand in and what can we not? And unfortunately, it doesn't matter how sober you get. It doesn't matter how much of an upright, upright life that you're going to live. Some people will never come to terms with that. Why? It has nothing to do with your sobriety or who you are, but it has to do with something in them as well. Unforgiveness is a serious, serious root of an issue. At the same time, we also need to be aware that, you know, we did cause some chaos. We did cause destruction. We did hurt a lot of these relationships. And we didn't just steal things from them that were tangible. You know, we took their peace of mind. We took, you know, their trust in us. We stole, you know, their consciousness. We, we stole all of these things from them that aren't tangible, that can't just be replaced. Like, it's not just like, hey, can I pay you $100 back that I took out of your purse? It's like, you stole their peace of mind. And unfortunately, those are just non-negotiables for people. And we need to be okay with the fact that our recovery is for us. It's not for anybody else. Sometimes we think we do it for other people, but really at the end of the day, it's got to be for us. Or the one. That's exactly right. I love that. First of all, sometimes you do have to pay yes. back the $100. <laughs> but there, there, there is also a deeper, you know, a deeper impact. Um, I love that expectations has already gotten brought up in our conversation because the expectation if you are placing expectations on other people there is a high likelihood that they will not be met and that you will be let down and that can in turn um you know it's said in in a 12-step program that expectations as you said kiana most oftentimes lead to relapse so work for yourself i think um is is what i took most from from your uh, input there, and I, I, I love what you said. So thanks for sharing that. Um, Amber, we saw your episode and heard your episode uh, on Thursday. So thanks for being back so soon. Uh, I got some positive feedback and, and everyone loved your story. So uh, I wanted to invite you here today. But uh, we talked a little about mending relationships in your episode, and I kind of wanted just to dig in a little more. Um, 
have you, um, as far as, you know, your sister perhaps being in and out and um, maybe not sticking to a, a rigid uh, recovery journey like, like you are, does that sort of drive a, a wedge between the, the two of you? Um, I was hoping that it wouldn't, but my sister has been in an outpatient uh, treatment program for the past couple of weeks, I would say I'm, I'm not 100% sure of the time. But um, unfortunately, yes, I do feel like it's, it's impacted us in some way because like earlier on, my, uh, at my, I was at my cousin's 21st birthday and my gran was there and she was telling me that my sister was acting really weird today. So the first thing that I thought was, oh my goodness, she just drank again, like um, halfway through her outpatient treatment. And as soon as I got home, I called her immediately. And I had like that tone in my voice, like, hello, what are you doing? You know, and I really was like upset that I was suspicious of her like that. So it actually made me realize that I have a lot of mending to do with uh, my sister while with my relationship with my sister it's still not perfect like our relationship was so centered around drugs and alcohol and partying and uh, gambling and crazy so we've been mending our relationship but this uh, relapse that she's had has definitely like we're still close but it's uh, it's definitely impacted me in right. some way we talked about to your boyfriend and you said that you don't understand how he could have stayed with you. Was he the sort of number one person that you wanted to make things right with uh, once kind of the fog lifted? Yes. Uh, you mean like when I stopped drinking? Correct. Um, yes. Well, I mean, when I stopped drinking, it was the day that I got arrested. So, of course, I was sitting at the back of a cold police um, van I don't know what you would call it uh, like handcuffed I think a cold police van back. is is, is pretty, <laughs> pretty dis- <Yeah>. descriptive <laughs> Yeah, my hands were like behind my back and I was drunk and like I called my boyfriend like with my hands behind my back pulled my hand out my pocket like, like a total criminal you know that's what I felt like pulled my phone out my pocket and called him and I was like um, you know, I've just been arrested and I could tell like in the tone of his voice that that was the last straw, like he couldn't take it anymore. He was like, uh, he was like actually crying. So I realized like if I didn't, like if I didn't stop drinking right there and then I was going to lose him. Kiana, I think with this being said, it's important that we don't fall back onto old behaviors and lose any ground that we may have made um, with folks. Do you see in yourself any old behaviors that you have fallen back on and that have perhaps caused Um, friction in the past? It's not necessarily behaviors that come up. It's, It's patterns of thinking. You know, for me specifically, you know, we always talk about that drugs and alcohol aren't the issue, you know, they're a symptom of the deeper issue. So whatever that deeper issue is, when that, when your disbelief and your unwillingness to see your value 
in your life and your value in yourself and what it is that you deserve, you know, you start to think of yourself as less than what you are, you know, you have incredible power, you know, you have a life that's worth living, you know, you have people who love you and care about you. And what we tend to see, what I see in myself is that when I start getting concerned about the way I look or the way that people perceive what I'm saying or the way that they might take the things I say or what they think about me or particularly for me a lot of the time it's the way I look you know it, my weight or the you know the way my hair looks when I start to get a little bit hyper focused on those things that's when I start to see those addictive qualities come out because I wasn't always a heroin or a methamphetamine addict you know my first addiction was codependency in a relationship my second addiction was an eating disorder my third if you're struggling to lose weight you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound and you might be wondering if they're right for you meet plush care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Addiction was jumping into drugs and, and getting into that type of culture. So if it wasn't one thing, it was the other. And it always came back to wanting to be liked, wanting people to accept me, feeling like I, you know, people wanted to hear what I had to say and wanted my presence around. Why? Because I just wasn't really sure of, of who I was. And if anyone had asked, they would have probably said that I was the person in the room who knew more so than anybody of my identity and the fact is I was just lonely and scared and I was mm. just seeking love in all the wrong places not understanding that love's an action you know it's a it's a way that you treat people just not understanding that you know I was called for something so much greater and just not believing that I was that's when I start to think those things that's when I know it's like you got to get a hold of this you got to take your thoughts captive and you really really need to understand that like this pattern of thinking it's like cognitive behavioral therapy what you think you shall walk in so if you start thinking you're any less than, if you start believing these lies that aren't true about yourself, that's when you start to see trying to relieve this pressure in different areas. And a lot of the time, it's lying, manipulation, far before it ever gets to the usage. That's so true. It is, you know, if we start to believe our own lies, right? And when that fog is lifted and there's a little bit of clarity in our lives, it is almost like what was the truth and what wasn't and how you know you know alcohol fueled my life and made every decision for the better part of two decades uh in my life and when i didn't have that decision maker anymore and i was a 33 year old adult man who had no idea who i was who I was as a person, it, it's daunting and it's hard to, um, for me, it was hard to jump into wanting to mend relationships when I still, how do you do that when, you know, I did mend myself first. Absolutely. Amber, how is, uh, your relationship with your nan? Uh, my grand, you mean? Your grand. Like my grandmother. Damn. Yeah, so, yeah. sorry, um, terms are really different. <laughs> uh, my nan. Um, it's complicated. It's like we really love each other, but we have this love hate relationship. We, we argue, 
uh, we argue a lot. This kind of ties into what um, Kiana was uh, talking about, like uh, how for me, I don't think that my substance abuse and my addictions were just like because I'm an addict. It's like a symptom of um, a really big, deep mix of mental health problems. Like um, I've had I've had like mental health uh, issues relating to eating disorders. Um, also like get very fixated on my looks um and also i have borderline personality disorder which also was a very big trigger for my uh, reckless manic consumption of drugs and alcohol like um so sorry i went on a bit of a tangent there and i got a bit sidetracked from the main question what's the sorry can you just no you you were you were answering it you just your relationship with your gran and oh yes uh, how it's it's kind of volatile yes so basically because of my borderline personality disorder i have volatile relationships with certain people and i believe that my gran has the disorder as well it's highly genetic like she hasn't been diagnosed but i personally believe that she does so we have a very volatile relationship we argue a lot she and she doesn't trust me fully which i respect i understand but it's difficult it really is difficult like i did tell you last time that you can't force people to forgive you and everyone has to go at their own pace but um even when I was at the worst of my uh, addiction, I never, uh, I never stole from my family or anything like that. Not because I was like morally superior. I just had a rich boyfriend who always gave me money all the time, and I was, you know, I never had the need to steal for my supply. So, um, yeah, like, um, it's just been difficult obviously I've created problems with my family that are very difficult to repair because they don't know the roots of a lot of the problems they don't understand that there was addiction um, behind uh, behind it they just see the they just remember the actions but they don't understand like I was coming down I was high I was addicted I was agitated so, I think there's like yeah, a really top, important distinction too that you lot. said there that you know they they have seen these behaviors and patterns before. And what I had said earlier was that, you know, nobody's there to watch the journey that you go through. You spend 24 seven with yourself. So you're the one living these daily bouts of recovery. And unfortunately, you know, they don't get to see what happens in the darkness. They don't get to see what happens in that quiet space. Then all of a sudden, one of these behaviors or, you know, something triggers you and comes out. And all of a sudden, the first thing they say is see. Like I told you, like, you know, you're not getting any better. You're just pretending. And, yes. and you know, that can be yes. really detrimental too, because you want people to come alongside you who are going, you know, to support you and educate themselves and understand. But unfortunately, some people really, really do just think that it's as easy. I mean, it is as like not picking up, but there's a lot of, a lot of behavioral modification that has to happen after that. And it does not happen overnight. When I shared with Nate my story about how you know, I had to spend 27 months in a place because I, I was so habitually um, hurting myself that I had to be somewhere because I couldn't get honest. It took me like 17, 18 months just to tell the truth when somebody said something to me, but I, I had to have these behaviors corrected and that's a process. So I want to encourage you, you know, 
it won't be the last time, you know, it, it probably will happen again, but don't look at that as a measure of how far that you've come or how far you feel that you're slacking because the truth is you have come so far and it takes time to get rid of these behaviors. It's okay. It's a walk. It's not a sprint and we're still all in the process. Yes. Yes, well like of course, um I, I realize like um that as uh, me mending my um addictions with alcohol and drugs is just mending a part of my bigger mental and health mending, problems. Mending so that specific part, getting journey. you know, the problem with alcohol and the problem with drugs, getting a handle on that will begin to allow everything else to fall into line. Why? Because at the very least you're not messing with your brain chemistry, you know, you're you're cleaning out, sobering out, and now you can kind of attack these things without yeah. that third influence coming in. It's it's okay. And it'll keep getting better too. Made a big difference, definitely. Yes. Thanks so much I, for I your understand. encouragement. I, I really appreciate it. You're not always good people. <laughs> she's a great she's a great encourager. Yes. I think you, once you I you'll learn that, that. Yeah, once I get to that stage where I've been like sober for like five years, I think I will feel like so much more um, um, confident in myself. That's great, and like setting a goal and, for yourself and saying, you know, you know I'm, I, I'm going to feel good. Still but don't forget the little milestones too. You woke up today, you lived your life, and guess what? You didn't drink or use. Yeah. And for me, like that's that's an incredible accomplishment yeah, today. Yeah, that's true. Really. Amen. Five years will feel great. It felt great for me, but you know what? Definitely. I know 10 years is going to feel great, but the fact of the matter is I live today, and today is an awesome day. It really is. Yeah, very positive way of thinking. Yes. Hey, Kiana. Do you want to sing a ditty for us? I'm just kidding. I'm not going <laughs> to... Uh, I'm not going to make you sing, but I thought I'd scare you a little bit by saying that. Okay, um, I am grateful what are you grateful for today? I, lo I love it when you ask me this question because I always tell you, it forces me to think right in this moment, what is it that I'm happy I was able to do? And well, first of all, it was pouring all morning and now yes. the sun's shining super bright. Like it, it's really, really nice. Um, but also, uh, we I have a church family that has been very 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 good to us we just moved um, across the state and they are so selfless so loving but unfortunately the husband's father passed away and um, it was last minute you know they they live in one of the US territories so you know it's a flight across the ocean and you have to pick up a rental car and all of these things and I um I really really felt the the push to try to help them in some way financially, I guess. So I kept trying to use my points, like my, my Southwest points to purchase a, a rental car or a flight and it wasn't working. And I, I really just felt like it yeah. was like, no, I was supposed to give an offering and, you know, make a sacrifice for myself so that I could help somebody else. So the fact that I was able to purchase a rental car and not have to figure out where I was going to take it from. And like, I'm not rich, I'm not rich at all. So the fact that I was able to take that from somewhere and to not feel like I was restricting an area of my life and give that as an offering was like a really awesome blessing because I did used to steal from my family. I'd be going through their budget envelopes and taking money out of Christmas and, you know, cable bills and whatever else from, you know, my elderly parents. 
they were 75 at the time and you know they're living on pensions and I'm, I'm taking money from them well today I had the opportunity to help somebody who was also in recovery like 20 years in recovery to be able to give an offering of a blessing and, and not feel like I had to take away from somewhere in my life and know that you know I'm not living on the street anymore and I'm not stealing money from people anymore and now I have a blessing and an abundance that I can do little things here and there to help somebody out the way that people have helped me too. I like paying it forward and I'm grateful I can do that. Beautiful. Thank you. Amber, how about you? What are you grateful for today? Um, you know, it will sound silly to some people, but I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity to be like around my family and they can leave like alcohol on the table and they're not worried I'm going to go drink all their expensive alcohol which I really noticed today no one was stressed about that so they just left all the alcohol around um, so that was really really nice for me I can notice that I'm repairing relationships slowly so I'm grateful to be at this point and I'm grateful to be independent that's most important for me well said. I am whew, I'm grateful for the two of you today. I could not be more humbled and just happy to have met you and you know not only helping me to launch this podcast but to continue to uh, answer my weird requests and emails and text messages and to continue to be involved as we kind of come up with new ideas and evolve. And, you know, I wanted to go live on Facebook and you both were like, sure, sounds fun. What time? And here we are. So I, I'm, my gratitude for the two of you is boundless. Um, you're, you're both beautiful women and I'm, I'm blessed to have met you. Um, so thank you for that. Um, Kiana, you are, uh, you know, so beautifully well-spoken. Um, can you give us some words of hope to leave well, yeah, uh, um, with our viewers like and I listeners earlier, with today? You know, recovery is a process. It's a journey. And I think sometimes we get really hung up on, well, when this happens, then, you know, things will be better. And something that somebody told me, actually a, a spiritual mentor had, had really sown a lot into my life. And, and something that she had said was, it sounds super cliche, but you know, some people are here for a season. Some people are here for a lifetime and it does you more good to surround yourself with like-minded people. You know, people who have the same mindset, who are walking the same road as you. And I'm not talking about just in recovery, but you know, where's your life going? When they say you're a sum of your five closest friends, I mean, there is some validity to that, but you have to be okay with allowing some of these people sure. to be put into your life for a season and for a purpose and allowing some of these people to be taken out of your life. Don't see it as, as a loss. Don't see it as a failure. Maybe these are just people who are going to hinder you from your process and from your progress in the future. And that's okay. Like we outgrow people and we outgrow circumstances. And I don't mean that in a prideful way. I don't mean it in a petty or selfish way. Like, Oh, I've outgrown you. No, just things change. You know, we develop as people. We're not supposed to stay the same. I remember seeing a meme on Facebook a couple of years ago that had the caterpillar talking to one of his friends, and it shows all these things that they went through, and at the end, it's a butterfly, and the friend is saying, you've changed. And the butterfly says, I was supposed to. 
I was supposed to. Like you are supposed to change. You We're are supposed, supposed to grow. To. And if you're staying stagnant, <laughs> then, then it's a waste. Yeah. And that's all right. You know, you don't need to live your life trying to live for people's approval and for them to sew into you and say like, no, you're worth it. To tell you from an outside perspective, you're worth it. You should already know that. And you should never forget that. Maybe the people being removed from your life are just those chains that are being broken. So you can move forward and you can run towards your goal. So I just, anybody who's listening today, I encourage you, if you're really stressing out about some of these people coming back in your life, then it's okay. Like they may come back. They may not. It's not your responsibility, but either way, there's purpose in that. And the purpose is going to take you to that next level. You can't get to where you're going to go unless you allow yourself to step into that in faith. It'll become complete. It'll make sense someday. It will. Beautiful. Well, ladies, I think that will bring us to the close of today's The Sobriety Diaries Roundtable. I can't thank you enough. I appreciate both of your time today. Check back soon for new episodes with new stories to tell. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We also upload and live stream on youtube.com slash Nate Kelly. And you can check out all things podcast related at the sobrietydiaries.com. Ladies, again, thank you so much. And... If we, if we help just one person today, I think our job is done. So thank you for that. Um, and we will see you guys soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, YouTube. Thank you, Nate. Thank you, Amber. Thanks, Kiana.